0: Hi, friends, and welcome back to With Great People, the podcast for high-performance teams. I'm Richard Kasparowski. Our special guest today is Maria Mattarelli. Maria is a leader in agile outside of IT, things like marketing and personal agility. In addition to that, Maria is a well-known international DJ. To support this podcast, visit my website, kasparowski.com. Hi, Maria. It's so good to see you
1: yeah great to see you also
0: thanks so much for joining us today is there anything you want to add on to that intro
1: you know really i'm just passionate about helping people work better and live better and when we look at agile, agile is all about helping people get results and these things apply in business and also applies outside of business outside of work and in your life and so it's amazing to see the results that are possible with agile
0: this is really interesting to me um i a lot of people listening to the podcast who know about agile and, and a handful of people who don't know anything about it. I always think that when, when, when people when, when, when guests are talking about agile, this is this is a general purpose idea. It came from IT. It came from software development, but it really applies to anything. How, how are yeah. you How are you helping people use it for whatever it is that's going to help them be their best selves?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my background has been in IT project management for managing traditional projects, then moving toward an agile approach and the scrum framework. And we've been exploring agile applied to marketing and it works absolutely incredibly. And what's even more amazing, I think, is when you start to look at agile, you know, we know this stuff works in business, but when you apply it to your life to do more of what really matters, you can create amazing results and things that are meaningful. Like companies are trying to deliver products to market Faster and more efe- efficiently. And when we look at, if you look at what's important in your life, I mean, there's so many incredible applications here. You look at people, you know, doing things, going day in, day out. And ultimately, a lot of people aren't always happy. And you look at the, you know, people in the world and the way they interact. And it's like, well, when people even come into work, are they even engaged? Do they even? really care about what they're doing? Are they doing the bare minimum not to get fired? And so, you know, there's a couple of angles to look at this, right? When we look at people coming into work and building high-performing teams, we want people that are motivated and engaged and people that care about our company's mission, not people doing the bare minimum. And yet when people show up to work, that's only a third of their day. And so they've got two-thirds of their day outside of work. So when we look at how can we optimize teams, well, what if we optimize the person on the team? And if you optimize the people on the team, what could that do to create a high performing team? But not even that. What if people are happier in their lives, feeling more fulfilled and feeling like whole people? What could that do to raise the consciousness of society, of people, just humanity? And so I think it goes a couple of different ways. It goes to implications when people come into work and it comes to people feeling happy and fulfilled just in life in general.
0: Okay. And I, I want to know more and more and more.
1: <laughs> I've got so much more. <laughs> Perfect.
0: I'm curious about, um, could could you give a specific example of of some of this work?
1: Absolutely. So when we look at the concept of personal agility, we've been exploring this over the last five years. I've been collaborating with Peter Stevens, an agile trainer out of Switzerland, and we've been looking at how can we help people do more of what matters. And it kind of started with us looking at doing that ourselves. So, you know, many of us have too much to do and not enough time. And there's one particular person that i met a couple of years ago. Her name is Sharon Guerin, and she goes by the Culinary Queen. Her dream had been to be a private chef. She wanted to be on TV. I actually got into the backseat of her Uber a couple of years ago. And so we're riding from the Tampa airport, downtown St. Pete's, about a 20-minute ride. And we started talking, and she was asking me, you know, what were you traveling for? I was like, oh, well, you know, a little bit of business. And she's like, okay. And she started asking me questions. And I was like, oh, and I was DJing. She's like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, Maria Mattarelli. Nice to meet you. And she asked me to follow her on Instagram. And I went to follow her and she had all this amazing looking food. And the marketing person inside of me couldn't help it. I was like, may I ask you a question? I was like, uh, I I actually said, may I give you some feedback? I said, you have this amazing spread of food on your, your Instagram profile, but I don't see the description. So I don't know what the food is. And I'm really curious. And also your personality is amazing. And none of that comes through in your profile. All I see are these static photos. And she's like, well, to be honest, I'm just getting started wanting to be a private chef. I don't really know how to do marketing and things like that. she was, my dream has always been to be on TV. I just want to have a cooking show and make my mom proud and do all these things. I was like, okay. And as we're, I'm in the ride and I'm like, all right, don't offer to help. Don't offer to help. Don't offer to help. I'm like, okay, I couldn't help it. I was like, all right, I tell you what come over to my place in three days. I'll shoot your cooking show on Friday in my kitchen. I'll put it on YouTube for you. Cause I was like, why don't you just make a YouTube cooking show and build a portfolio and submit that to TV stations? She's like, honey, I'm old. I don't know how to use YouTube. And so I was like, okay. And so I was like, let me do that for you. And that's how I got a free free private chef. So I got these free meals. I was like, I just want to eat the food for free. And I'll put your your recipes and the video on on YouTube. So it's the culinary queen, healthy cooking with the culinary queen on YouTube. And so we have this cooking show, but quit. Pretty soon, uh, we ran out of time to shoot the cooking show because her catering, she started a catering business and started taking off. And Sharon actually went from working five jobs and barely getting by to over the next year and a half, I was working with her. I actually started teaching her personal agility. Now I could have showed her Agile applied to business. Here's how Agile works and here's how you start your business. The challenge though was, she had all these other challenges outside of business. Her roadblocks were not in business. They were a little bit, but it was mostly in her personal life. It's the people around her that were always taking from her, her kids that were grown, that she was still taking care of and helping out. It was the other people around her that might've been negative or holding her back or that didn't believe in her. And so by teaching her personal agility, I said, Sharon, what really matters? And it's where you look at the holistic view of your life, take the top three to four things and then make it visible and look at what are the things. And we have that visibility in your priorities map and you track what you've done in your breadcrumb trail. So you can actually see what have you done that support the things that you say that matter. So in 2018, Sharon ha- was negative in her bank account in December. 2019, brought in over $20,000. In 2018, she had over $735 of insufficient funds fees when her bank account had gone negative. In 2019, she cleared over six figures with the catering company. And then in last year, 2020, she landed a six-figure client doing private chef services. And now she just got contacted to submit to be on TV and have be a TV host. And she also was just in the, the favorite chef for, it's a nationwide chef contest and she's in the quarterfinals. So when you look at a life change, oh, and she's down 55 pounds. So with Sharon, it was not just about let's apply agile to business. It's like, okay, what do you really want in your life? And let's now apply those same techniques to, for you to do what really matters, create the visibility and the accountability for that. And then you can see where you're going astray and then you can see where you can get back on track. And her life has completely changed. And we've been replicating these results. There's another entrepreneur I've worked with in the Tampa, Florida area. When I met him, he was making 65000 a year. The next year, cleared 120000 Now, this year, he's on track to make a quarter million. I've been personally coaching him and working with him with the personal agility system to create the visibility. And here's the big disconnect that was there. It was, okay, here's what I want, but I don't know how to get there. Like, yeah, I'd like to clear six figures. That's a big milestone for a lot of people. But how do I get there? And he couldn't see it. And then, okay, now how do I get to a quarter million? Well, he couldn't see it at first. We were working on looking at what's possible. What are the possibilities? And now he's clearing 20, 25,000 a month, which is on, on right on track for that. The the other company I was working with, they hit a $35 million valuation in a year and a half, and that was actually working with the executive team. And the challenge that they had was the CEO was taking everything on his own plate because he didn't really, truly trust delegation. And so what happened was by using personal agility as a leadership team, as an executive team, and having them pair up, understand what really mattered to each other and a holistic view of their lives, they were able to grow closer and build more trust in a foundational level to where the CEO felt like he could actually step back and empower his team, trust his leaders more. They broke into self-organizing pods and were able to move forward during a global pandemic hitting a $35 million valuation. So personal agility, the concept of Agile in Your Life, and you know, even for me, doing agile training and then becoming a DJ. I was just speaking at the Heart of Agile conference in 2016 and they didn't have any music entertainment. And Alistair Coburn was putting on this event and he said there has to be music. The organizers, they, they forgot that piece and he asked Nick and I to DJ, Nick Sementa, uh, he and I run the Agile Marketing Academy and we're sponsoring the event already. And so Nick taught me the basics of DJing. I discovered I loved it and now I've been doing it around the world. And it's just by applying Agile to achieve that. Agile works for anything, absolutely anything.
0: All right, that is so cool. <laughs> all, those, all those very, very, very concrete examples of personal agility. And it reminds me a lot of the way, some of the ways I've been applying agility in, in my own life. So I, I'm, I totally get what you're talking about. And I, I, I hope some of our listeners and viewers uh, have, a, have a, I don't know, a better idea of what agility is about and, and how it might apply to their lives as well. Okay, so this... This podcast focuses on teams, and of course, teams are composed of individuals, persons. Uh, And what I like to do is ask people about the best team of their life. And this is really general. This is broad, right? So a lot of people think about work teams, but I mean, any, any group of people aligned with a common goal. Right. So it could be a work team. It could be a not work team. It could be a music group. It could be a DJ, uh, a DJ team. It could be anything. What's the best team of your life, Maria?
1: Ooh, well, if I had to pick the best team of my life right now, I would say it's my current team. And I've had very dysfunctional teams in the past. And You know, a lot of times we work with different groups and you see conflict and you have challenges. And I think a lot of it's about how you handle when things aren't going well. And if you don't have the tools or if you don't have a, a way of connecting and looking past whatever those challenges are and staying in alignment, having that bigger vision and that, that North Star of what's really important, then that's where things go awry. And so I would have to say it is my current team right now.
0: All right. Will you tell, tell us more about this current team?
1: What, yeah, what so kinds of
0: people? Is it? Is it the current team for, for your work?
1: Yeah. I would actually say, I feel like there's a couple of groups of people. So it's like in my personal life, my core group of friends and my core group of people I work with as well. And there's a little bit of overlap because I have multiple businesses, right? So Formula Inc., the Agile Marketing Academy, the Personal Agility Institute, a couple others. And so when you're looking at how how are you getting through every day and the things that you're doing, right? Like we have to be leaders for our team at work. But then I also, I posted something online about a couple months back. I remember I asked, is life a team sport? And there were a variety of different responses that people gave. And I've come to the conclusion that yes, I think it is. And so when I look at the people in my life that I care about, that are supportive to me, my business partners, uh, my specific team that I work with every day, there's a common theme. And I think that it all really comes back to alignment. And so when you have alignment, when you are aligned in the mission and the vision and what's important and you understand each other's skill sets and what they bring to the table to help create that reality. I think that's one of the most powerful things you can have in a great team.
0: I want to know more details. Uh, the, the current team it's, it's, it's the group of people you're working with every day. How many people is it? What sorts of roles do they play? Uh, what. Might a typical work session or work day look like with this team?
1: Yeah. So we are a distributed team and we work virtually together and we have up to 10 people. We have a couple people that come and go here and there that are part-time or not full-time. And when you look at the recommended scrum team size, it used to be referred to as seven people plus or minus two. And now we say three to nine people with the optimal number being around six. And that's exactly where we're at in that sweet spot. And so what we're doing is we're focused on helping people understand how to apply agile and doing it in an absolutely incredible way to actually get results. Like not just to now we're using a different process methodology, but we're actually looking at what's the results and what are the outcomes. And so it's interesting because I have a few overlapping teams and we're building worldwide communities. So with my core team, we're focused on how can we provide agile training and coaching for organizations. And then Also, when we look at the Personal Agility Institute and the Agile Marketing Academy, we have a global network of people that are extremely passionate about these topics because they're getting results applying these techniques. So we have people from Italy, Sri Lanka, India, from Bangladesh to uh, all throughout Europe, Switzerland and Portugal, throughout the US and Canada that are, I mean, when people are applying Agile and getting results, like they are so passionate, they're so excited. And they want to help other people with this. So we're seeing like these communities of just global ambassadors that are all like so passionate about how can we apply this and share with others how to apply Agile to get those results. So my core team, when we're looking at providing Agile training and coaching, we're distributed. And you know, I think a lot of the things that really stand out that are different from other teams I've been on in the past is I feel that we're in flow. And when you feel that feeling of flow, you have clarity on what the the goal is. You know what's required. We have the, all the right skill sets for the team. And people are motivated and excited to contribute because they actually believe in what we're doing. And so helping people, inspiring them to work better and live better, that's a mission. That's a vision that people can get excited about. That can feel like it's meaningful. And so I think having that clarity, having that clear vision, and then having clear delineated roles, it allows us to self-organize around creating the outcomes that that we want. And it's really just helping other people to apply these practices. And then we look at these other global communities that we're supporting, right? So it's like my core team is also supporting these other groups and these other groups of people. And when we look at what's possible, there there's a lot of the, the mechanisms that we look at with the Scrum framework, right? So you've got the product owner role, setting the priority, you've got the Scrum Master role that's kind of guiding and overlooking things and making sure that the team is working effectively. And so when I look at my core team, you know, we have a person, different people on the teams that are scrum masters for different initiatives. So it's almost like portfolio management, but across multiple businesses.
0: And and when you're, when you're working with people who aren't in IT, are you still using these jargony scrum words like product owner and scrum master or what what do you do?
1: Yeah. Great question. Uh, You know, what we found is that when you're applying agile outside of IT, we need to translate the the way that we speak into the context of that other niche. And that's something Alistair Coburn actually mentioned, uh, actually at the the Heart of Agile conference I was referring to earlier. And he was saying, you know, the reason that a lot of companies struggle with taking Agile outside of IT is that you have an Agilist that says, here's how it would theoretically work in this other arena. But it's not just about saying, here's how it would work. And when we do training with the Agile Marketing Academy, a lot of times companies come to us because what's the alternative? Their, their marketing team goes to a scrum class and they don't necessarily understand all the terms nor are the examples applicable to them. And so they have to translate the terminology and then they have to like translate how it will apply to their context. So they're learning new terminology and translating the application. And that's where a lot of people get hung up. And so what Alistair said that what Nick and I have been doing right is we've been actually looking at, okay, what is the translation of how this applies specifically? And then having from that other industry or that other that can bring, like Nick brings the marketing swagger, right? He talks how they talk. He understands how they think. He's been running marketing and advertising campaigns in the six-figure range for decades. So it's like, all right, we actually understand their context. And so when you look at even applying Agile to your life, we use much more general terms, right? And it's the same concept, but You know, sometimes it might make sense to mention it and translate it. And I think the roles might be one of those things, right? So if you're the product owner, like what is the prioritization of what you're trying to achieve? And I mean, people can understand that, right? What's the product or service? And then what's the priority? And then how do we have clear direction for what the team's doing? That makes logical sense. But then the other examples on how that's applied or the examples used, we'd want to translate to marketing or translate to whatever other niche that that might be.
0: The whole time, I'm I'm kind of grinning, uh, as as you can see. (laughs) I um, I kind of agiled my life quite a while back.
1: I love it. That's awesome. And
0: um, it's really kind of funny. Um, You know, we 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 sort of uh, I I sort of um, I don't know agiled agiled my wedding a few years ago, and uh, agiled my life before that. I was moving out of an apartment. My girlfriend at the time, now wife, was helping me clean out the apartment. And I had a wall full of, I had a wall full of post-its just because it was, it was fun. It was, you know, I lived alone. My living room was where I worked. The whole wall was covered with uh, my goals and what I was doing each day toward these goals. And she's pulling them off and she's, she's reading some of them and throwing, just throwing a bunch away. And she's like, oh, this one's interesting. This is in the done column, right? It says, join a dating website. (laughs) That's hilarious.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this this is, I, I, I get what you're talking about. And... Um,
1: did you add another post-it that said delete the dating app?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I did have that post-it there and it was in the done column as well. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's all you
1: need. Yeah. Just one more, one more post-it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
0: So yeah, this stuff, this stuff works. This is, this is totally generalizable. This is stuff that you can just do to have, to have a... To have a better life it's 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 not about work it's about life yeah
1: yeah definitely and i'm smiling because i have a wall of post-its right on my wall
0: (laughs) (laughs) it was like it was like wallpaper post-it wallpaper
1: (laughs) well and it's it's about keeping what's important visible right when you see it you're thinking about it you're more likely to do it you have can build in that consistency that accountability that momentum but if you're not looking at what's important that's where we get might get distracted or blown off course.
0: Exactly, and I've got you know these little little reminders. This is this is the one that's right in front of me. It's it's all about helping people be their awesome best.
1: I like it. Awesome best. That's, that's the one that's
0: right in front of me all, all day every day.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: Um, I want to know more about your best team, this current team. Uh, if you could characterize this team in, in one word sort of summarize the, the sensation of working together in one word what's your one word
1: all right so that's tricky to just do one word for the best team you're me one word it's like someone saying right what's the favorite place you've traveled i'm like uh gosh italy fiji cape town south africa like do i have to pick one can i do top three but if i had to pick one word hmm you know what i'm going to say is I've got a I've got a short list. Maybe we can narrow it down. I've got I'm thinking engaged. I'm thinking motivated. I'm thinking aligned. And you know, really, you know, we can, we can land on motivated, right? And so I think like how do you get a team that's truly is motivated? Well, you need them to be engaged, then you need them to care, you need them to to be aligned with what what it is that you're doing for them to be motivated. So I I could say maybe we could have those as supporting words to the grand word of motivated, but you know, it's really people. I think it's when they actually care, when they're actually involved, it's when they're not doing the bare minimum. It's when they're actually like truly engaged and motivated to where they intrinsically want to create the result. And I think that one of the things that inspires my team is they see that we create results for people and for companies. And that's something that feels meaningful. And that's something that's way better than any monotonous job, a job that you're doing day in and day out. Like they're hearing the results. They're seeing the case studies, like people's lives being better. And I think that's what is behind them being motivated and excited and supporting the vision
0: all right. Now, I feel all this energy from you, the the the, the words you're using, your your tone of voice, your your body language. You love this team. this is a, this is a great team. Um, what else about subjectively the, the subjective the subjective state of this team? How do, how how do you know subjectively or objectively? How do you know this is this is the best team of your life?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is it feels like we're in flow, and it took a while to get here, and it took a while to find the right people. And we've interchanged some people here and there over the years. And what we've recently come across, and to be honest, I think that a lot of this has to do with the fact that I have been more available given the lack of travel (laughs) over the last year, right? Like the world shut down, travel was canceled, global pandemic breaks out. And instead of me being on the road, I used to average two to three cities a week, sometimes seven cities in a month. And I mean, that was 80 cities in a year and 15 countries in a year. Like that's not sustainable to really grow and foster a team. So if I were trying to look at like what's changed, it's possible I might be a better leader. And I've been doing a lot of self growth as well, like personal growth and personal development and really looking deeper into what I can do to be more effective. And I've actually attended, you know, Michael Sahota, he does the Agile Leadership course. And I helped him coordinate that training in Chicago about four or five years ago. And that hit me so much at the core that I actually went back and I didn't need to attend again. Like I was just helping coordinate and facilitate. And I actually went back to that class five times and the reason was because every time i grew more as a leader and so what i'm realizing is my team is in flow and i think that there's things that i'm doing better to help foster that i'm around more i'm listening more i'm looking at the the bigger picture and the strategy more rather than just hopping on a plane and expecting the team to just support me as i'm like traveling around the world and you know doing great things leading training classes speaking at conferences inspiring people on how to apply agile though What I'm feeling now, I feel like, you know, just being forced off of the road over the last year provided the opportunity for me to look more at, okay, how can we actually build something that's more sustainable? How can we grow? How can I invest in my people more and listen to them more and be more present? And how can really just, how can we take a step back and be strategic? And I believe what we've been able to do is actually like, it feels like we're in a state of flow and I feel the momentum. And like, I'm just amazed at, you know, the way that they work and the way that, and, you know, a lot of times you don't see the progress night and day from, from one night to the next day. And I'm noticing that when I stop and actually reflect and look back, we have grown by leaps and bounds that I didn't even notice. And so that feeling of being in flow has come after having a lot of the wrong people, a lot of lack of guidance from me a lot of confusion or just you know people being disjointed and interestingly enough we've actually been able to hone in get the right people build the right team morale right building that up even with a completely distributed team and that's been incredible
0: all right so a completely distributed team and
1: partially distributed a couple of people are local
0: okay Par- partially distributed uh, and because of the circumstances of the last 12 months you've had some more time to spend with them you've been you've had more time to to strategize to to listen to people to be present with them what are some other concrete behaviors that go into this team being the best
1: if i just point to concrete behaviors i would point to the results things get done and the coolest thing is things get done that i don't have to do and they are like literally my team members are talking amongst each other and they're self-organizing and they're solving problems before they even hit my inbox and so you know things just appear on my calendar i'm like oh what's this and i didn't have to oh who's this person what's this about do i need to what do i need to prepare like what you know when when is a good time to meet like there's so much decision fatigue that happens every day and realizing like things just show up and they take care of it and they're handling things and they're reporting to me oh this is done this is done instead of hey, what do I need to do? And so I think really people having a a clear understanding of their goals and their responsibilities and what they are responsible for, and then having that passion, excitement, and engagement and really being in alignment with the, the main vision, that's allowing them to just feel empowered to just take action. And so things happen, I don't have to do it all and challenges come up and they resolve them. I think that really... The, the powerful things that we see when we have a self-organizing team and we have a team that really is agile in how they think and in how they work and, and just how they are, their way of being.
0: All right. Now, that's awesome. I want, I want this for my team right now. And, and I'm sure listeners want this for their team. That's why they're listening. What advice could you give us? How could we get this for our teams?
1: Yeah, it's such a great, such a great question. What I would say is that, you know, we see this all the time when we go into companies to consult and like there's people with challenges and then leadership isn't listening. And I've done assessments with companies in Chicago where we walk on site and literally we're listening to the people and we're translating that to the leaders, like almost word for word. And sometimes the leaders listen, sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. Though there's a communication breakdown, there's a feedback loop that's missing a lot of times. And so, you know, we often see this, the the people that are in the trenches are the people that know where the improvement opportunities are. The people that talk to the customers are the people that know what's actually needed for the next release. And the feedback loop is often broken. And so I think that what, what you can do to help create and foster this environment is as a leader, you want to look at, you know, being the change that you want to see, being the example. So set you set the tone. You know, What's your culture? Is it a culture of the command and control where you tell people exactly what to do? Because a lot of times they're going to do exactly what you told them, and they're not going to do anything more. Do people feel like you care? Do they feel empowered? As so one of the things I like to ask people I work with, I, I like to ask them, what are your top three goals? What are your top three goals for this year? And I want to help you achieve those. And so you know, even looking at What's important to them? What are they wanting? What would help them feel fulfilled? And how can you support them in that? And so, you know, even a team member that I have who's just doing a great job at at their role was saying, hey, you know, by having a a real conversation, like, you know, this is actually not the job that I really wanted this level I really want to do more. And I've had jobs that have been at a higher level before, but you know, XYZ situation happened and here I am. And I found this opportunity. And so it's like, okay, so you want to do more. You're willing to put in the work, take take the initiative, like actually show that you, you care and actually take the steps to be proactive. Okay. How can I empower that? And so what often happens, I think is people, they want more, they want opportunities for growth. They want to be valued. They want their ideas to be heard. And we don't listen. And then they stop caring and then they start to shut down. They stop offering ideas and they just do the bare minimum. And so when we start to look at that trend, you know, when you have people that have been working in an organization and they're just, they've been doing the same thing. I remember one of my first jobs out of college, I was working at a Fortune 50 company, systems technology department. And I was in there like working with this team and it was the enterprise server release, Windows and Unix server upgrades. And I remember that. You know, as we were, as we were planning out these projects and as we were working, I had you know deadlines that I was responsible for, right? We're using a traditional project management approach. We ended up using Scrum and, and different agile methods later on. But I remember like I wanted to be successful and have the projects done on time within budget and within the timeline. And I remember we were, had one particular team that we were missing our deadlines. And there's some of the team team members from my main project that were on this other side project. And I remember asking, okay, well, when can that be done? What percent complete is this? And they're like, oh, we're going to have to push it out to Friday. We're going to have to push it out to Friday. And then after meeting one day, there there's one guy and he, he was a great person. And I really enjoyed working with him and he, he would shoot, always shoot straight. And he said, Hey Maria, you got a minute. I, I'd like to, you know, have a quick conversation with you. And I was like, okay. He's like, you know, I appreciate that you're so excited and have so much energy and everything. Uh, but you know, a lot of us, we've been here for a little while, you know, 10, fifteen, 20 years, and we don't have that energy. We can't run a sprint. we We're on this marathon, and like we have to walk and sometimes jog sometimes and we can't run or sprint. And you are here with all this excitement and energy. and you know, and and he's essentially saying, please stop making us look bad. like please stop hard. And I was like, I remember being confused and a little puzzled after that meeting. and I was like, wait a minute, isn't this what I was hired for? I mean, this is a company I'm managing like $5 million projects in a year and trying to do them effectively. And to fast forward a little bit, I mean, I heard what he was saying, but I still, I couldn't like deliver less quality. And we actually went from the enterprise to release projects. They were two releases a year. We actually went from two releases to three releases a year, streamlined the process, free up our onsite people for more strategic work. And we cut from 3 million a year to $1.5 million of annual residual cost savings. And so it's like, well, no, I don't want to slow down because I want to create results, right? But that's the pressure that people have. I saw this with a team in Chicago I was coaching. We transitioned over 70 teams from a traditional project management approach to using an agile approach. And there is one particular team I was coaching. And I worked with a group of coaches as we were doing this. We provide training, foundational understanding, and then work with the teams as needed. And we had this, this young girl that was just out of college and she was on the team. She was all excited. She had all these ideas. And she was always speaking up and, and giving ideas. And the people that worked there were like... Oh, you know, like, okay, okay. Like, you know, we're not trying to add a bunch of new work here. We're just trying to get through this sprint, you know? And, you know, a couple of weeks later, like a couple of months later, I was working with the same team. I started to notice she stopped, she stopped offering ideas. She didn't speak up anymore. And when she was at her desk, she was slumped down. She was like really slouched back, like, you know, fingers on the keyboard, just like, she didn't care anymore. They had beaten her into submission, like metaphorically speaking around nobody else wants to work more. So why are you creating more work? Why are you creating these new ideas? Why are you making us look bad, right? And so when you look at teams in an organization, there is that pressure. Even when we look at the most high-performing teams that exist, that can be a threat to other teams, other managers, other departments, because now they have to step up. They have to do something different. They have to change. People don't typically like change unless they have a reason. They truly understand how it's going to help them, right? We look at the Satire Change Model. Like you have a transforming... Um, you know, a foreign element that comes in and you have chaos that ensues. And it's not so you have that transforming idea that the team can really rally around it and hit that state of higher performance. And so when we start to look at how teams interact and the dynamics, it goes so deep. And one of the things that we've done is we looked at the motivational value systems of our team members. So this is research by Dr. Elias Porter and he studied relationship awareness theory and developed it. And he talks about how when you understand what really motivates people. Is it achievement? Is it wanting to achieve things? Is it nurture? Is it because they care? Is it, and are they analytical? Do they need to see numbers and facts? Or are they a hub? Are they a mix of all three? And so we can start to understand how people like to be spoken to. What do they respond to? If I, I'm very achievement based, but if I'm talking to someone who's like nurture based in their motivational values and I'm saying, hey, we got to hit this deadline, we got to achieve this goal, that's not going to appeal to them. If we say, hey, there's all these people we can help, we're, we're changing lives, we're helping people, we're, we're like, We're minimizing the suffering of people at work every day, like feeling overworked, like people not listening to them, like we're giving them a framework on how they can work more effectively, how they can feel like what they do, like they can see results because they can actually deliver something on a regular cadence and not feel like it's a never-ending list of work that's never getting done. You know, when you can tap into something deeper in people, like that's how you connect with them. And so I think in the larger organizations, people get shut down. Because it's, it's like the story of the monkeys in the room and you put bananas at the top and right, they've done these, these studies and they've got a ladder. And so the monkeys run up the ladder to get the bananas and then they spray the bananas with the hose. And then they eventually stop trying to go for the bananas because they don't want to get sprayed with the hose. And then you take a monkey and you got a new monkey and they immediately go for the bananas. Why aren't you guys going for the bananas? You're crazy. And all the monkeys are like, no, and they start to hold the monkey back. And they don't want the monkey to get the bananas because they don't want to get sprayed with the hose because they've been burned before. And so then they the study, they started replacing each monkey and taking out each original monkey with a new monkey. And they would always hold the, the monkey back from going to get the bananas. Pretty soon, there were no original monkeys in this room. They were all new monkeys that had never been sprayed with the hose. And they would stop new monkeys from trying to get the bananas and they didn't know why. And so when we look at how teams interact in an environment, in a larger organization, these are the challenges that you can face, right? And so it's it's there's politics, there's there's other things that come into play. And when we look at like a small core dedicated team, which is the optimal team size, right? So we run my companies with Scrum. So we have our core team that is the optimal team size. We've got other team members and other sub teams and other groups that we interact with. And it really truly is like a Scrum of Scrums in reporting from the the different entities and the different groups and the different things that we're doing, different projects, different initiatives. But like, I think that people are people first, right? They're not your employee first. And so when you can actually connect with them on a real level in a meaningful way, when they feel like you care, when they feel valued, when they feel like their ideas matter, these are things that can help to create that self-organizing team. And as a leader, we need to create feedback loops to actually really, truly get that feedback. What's important to them And how can we be supportive and how can we create an environment and a culture that's going to be everything that's going to create the right environment for our teams to thrive? Mm -hmm. I think that's, these are some things that are really key. All
0: right. And I have some some friends and colleagues in mind that I'm going to share this podcast with as soon as we publish it. Um, I'm also curious, what was, what, what were, I don't know, one or two of the Very specific things that you did with your team right now to get into that state that feels like flow, that state where I was, what I was really curious about was, did you find people who were already aligned with you or did you, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this in an intentionally wrong way. Did you make them get motivated?
1: Ah, you know, that's a good question. I feel like it's, you know, you hear people say it's hard to find good people, right? And it can be, and it's taken me years to, to get to this point. And I mean, Formula Inc, we've been around for almost 10 years now and we run lean and mean, and, and we have a global network of trainers and coaches that we deploy to work with different clients and, you know, for the core team to really be honed in. Like if, if I were to try to put my finger on, you know, what is it, um, I think alignment is so important. And this is a concept in personal agility that it it is important as an individual and it does scale to an organization as well, right? So, are you aligned with the people in your life that are supporting you on the type of life you want to have? Are you aligned with the people on the work that you're doing every day? Do they actually care? So, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. It's having the common interest so having the clear vision where people can get on board with that's very very important and so that's like that's like the draw that's the first thing and i remember one of uh one of my favorite people that i work with i remember our first conversation last year where uh he's kind of at a crossroads he's like well i was thinking about going to work with one of the big consultancies uh you was thinking about doing this doing that you know why should i work with you and i remember I, he asked that question and it was a it was a valid question right and it's like hey why why don't I go make a quarter million a year doing this, right? And why should I work with you? And I remember I thought, that's such a good question. All right, like, what am I going to say? And I thought for a moment and I I was in a swivel chair and I, I kind of swiveled around and I looked dead in the eye. I said, I'll tell you exactly why you would want to work with our team over any of these other options. It's because we're actually making a real change in people's lives and we're helping them to to discover these ways to work better and to live better. And it's creating a ripple effect. And my reach is global and I have this global community and I just need a little help to reach more people. I found out that my maximum of what I can do in a year is I've been able to travel through 80 cities and 15 countries in one year's timeframe. And that's exhausting. And I don't know how I can reach more people in less time. So you know, I, I want to create this positive impact in the world. And here's this avenue that I found to do it. And it's working. And we're getting results. And these are some of the results we're getting. And I just need a little help. And so not only do I think your skill set is perfect for this, but I think that we're in alignment and it's going to be some of the most fulfilling work that you could ever do. And it was it was creating the vision. It was sharing that vision. And then it, it's, it's understanding from them what's important to them. And so that's not where I started. I started with, well, what do you want to do? What are your goals? What are you passionate about? And this particular individual had many, 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 many things that he wanted to do. And I'm like, all right. And so I actually took that list. I said, is this a prioritized list? And I said, well, let me actually make a note on how I think I can help you with each of these 20 goals that you're trying to achieve. And I actually took the time to actually put deep thought into each of those things and send that back. And so it's uncovering what's important to the people you work with. Do you care about them in their lives? And then do you have a clear vision? And can you articulate that? Can you articulate that in a way it's going to inspire them? And then they're either aligned or they're not. And I've met a lot of people that were not in alignment over time. So I think it might be a combination, right? It's a combination of the right people, the right time, the right place. But you also have to recognize when that is true and be able to communicate and share that vision. Sometimes they don't see all the pieces and you have to share what, here's the pieces I see and here's why I think this is the right fit. And then also it's about encouraging them and supporting them. And so the people on my team, I work with them on personal agility. And I do coaching calls with them. And I say, what are the things that matter in your life? Holistic view outside of work. And how can I help you do more of what really matters in your life? And that's a meaningful connection that I believe is is at the foundation of why these people care so much. And as we're aligned in vision, that's what creates that state of flow. Because we're actually passionate, actually truly engaged, and actually committed to the outcome.
0: All right. I think I'm starting to get it. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of this uh, this this leadership class I took once. Uh, I, I worked for a big company, and uh, you know they, they identified me as somebody who should take the class as a future prospective leader. Blah blah blah. And one of the first activities was um, you know find a partner and try to sell something to your partner. And I was like, well, okay, I've got this awesome mug, and I'm gonna tell you. Everything about why this mug is so awesome and why it's worth ten dollars. And I learned so quickly. I should have started with, so tell me about you and 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 what you want and what your goals are and, and how you hope to get there. You know, 'cause cause he wasn't interested in what what I was pushing on him, but if I had took the time, if I had taken the time to inquire and listen that would have been a lot better. That was my big takeaway from the leadership training, you know, know, just in the first 15 minutes. And, um, that's what I'm hearing from you ask, inquire, listen, share, share what you want with them. And, and I've also noticed that when you, when people share what they want, the people who are aligned with it, they show up. Right. So is there anything else you want to share with listeners? Any, anything else going you know, on? Any, I, any projects you're working on? Anything at all?
1: Yeah, actually, know, um, yeah, I just want to say I want to inspire people to, you know, just take a moment and step back from the busyness of life and the things that you do every day, and you know, step back to get that clarity. And you know, one of the things that you know, when we look at what really matters, I, I'm really just discovering that that question is so much more powerful. And it's so funny because I tell Peter this all the time. I'm like, I know we've been doing personal agility for like five years now, though. I still have aha moments all the time and it blows me away. And so even if you just start with thinking about what really matters and getting clarity on that in your life and in your business, with your project, with your team, that's really so incredibly important as a foundational thing. And so I'm just excited to be able to share with more people, share these different techniques. And um, you know, one thing that actually is kind of exciting, um, if you look at you know, th- these results are universal it's across geographic region, it's across industry, it's it's incredible. And so, you know, for those that are wanting to explore, you know, what really matters, just wanna, you know, visit the Personal Agility Institute, personalangilityinstitute.org. And we have some free tools. Uh, you can download the guide for free. You can download the stakeholder canvas, to, you know, look at how to connect with people in a more meaningful way. And you know, we, we're just really, really excited and passionate about what we can help people to do. And, you know, latest projects I'm launching actually, um, a virtual summit and we're going to do it monthly and just pulling together agilists. We're calling it the Agile Heroes Summit. And so we just want to hear from people like what's working and I'm actually launching a community and it's the agileheroes.com and it's helping people to really understand like, what are the results? Like how can you be the hero going back into your company? How can you be the hero in your life? How can you be the hero to help? And so we're going to have people sharing their stories, sharing what's working, how to overcome challenges. And so I would just love to invite people to you know stay in touch join. Um, If you want to connect with me, you can find me at findmaria.com and click through (laughs) my social media. And if you can spell my name, you can find me online, Maria Mattarelli, but find Maria helps you not have to spell Mattarelli. (laughs) That's
0: great. All right, Maria, Maria Mattarelli. And I I can spell your name and, and, uh, and, and we'll have your name spelled out. We'll have links to everything you just mentioned. Wow, this was a fun hour. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Uh, Maria Modarelli, thanks so much. And um, remember, dear listeners, to support this podcast, visit my website, Kasparowski.com.